Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I announced at the end of last week's episode that I still maybe had one more slot available for the season. And just want to let everyone know it is now filled. I am fully booked out and actually got more requests than I had slots. So we'll see if I end up doing (laughs) season eight. I'll have some people to start off with. Thank you to everyone who reached out. And still, I always encourage people to shoot me an email. I am not very good about responding, but I do it like periodically and I don't delete the email. So I will at some point see it and and circle back. So of course, I've been transparent. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the show after these next couple episodes. But in the case that I continue the show in some way, shape or form, I'd be happy to have your interest noted via email or the contact form on my website. You can also slide into my DMs, but I do lose track of my DMs way more quickly than with email. So that's the little housekeeping for the day. Other than that, I want to get straight to the episode. It is coming out at a perfect time, I realized. My birthday is just around when this episode comes out. I'm turning 31 and I, I'm just pumped about it. I'm just digging being in my 30s, I have to say. And this week's guest is Kieran, who initially moved abroad when she was in her 20s, moved back to the US where she's from for a good chunk of time in her late 20s, early 30s. And now in her mid 30s, she just moved back abroad in a more permanent way this time. And she talks to us about what it was like exploring herself and Europe in her 20s and what she did with the information she learned that led her to make the choices to go back to the US and then back to Europe, specifically France. And we talk about how doing this all in your 30s is different than doing it in your 20s. So it's very fitting for me since aging and ages are all in my mind at this moment. And man, just a great story, a great episode. Truly one of these recording sessions where I'm like, I kind of wish that this wasn't even a recording session, but rather a coffee date and we could just keep talking because I was just having such a great time. But alas, it wasn't a coffee date. It was a podcast episode. But the good news is that means it's here for you also to enjoy. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. My name is Kieran. I am originally from Virginia in the United States. I'm currently living in the south of France in a city called Toulouse, and I've been here for almost a year on March 2nd. I know you have a long list of places that have been in between Virginia and here. Um, So I think what we'll do is let's first just take us through at this age I moved here and then this age I moved here. First 18 years of my life, born and raised in the same county in Virginia. Uh, I went to school in northeastern Pennsylvania in Scranton, and then straight from there, I joined, it's called the the Peace Corps. It's a U.S. agency for Americans to go abroad for two years and volunteer. So I lived right from 21 to 23 years old in Moldova, in a tiny little village, and then from there, I got my master's degree in Paris, and then stayed to work from, I guess, 23 to 27 years old. And then back to the U.S., back to Virginia for about a year and a half and kind of landed a job or short-term consultancy with the United Nations in Rome. 
So I moved to Rome for what was supposed to be three months and ended up being about a year and a half. From there, I moved to a different UN agency up in Copenhagen when I was, I think, 28 at this point. Uh, I only spent about seven months in Copenhagen. Cute place, but just wasn't for me. And at that point, I moved around so much that I was like, "Ugh, let me just go plant myself somewhere. Uh, so I moved back to the U.S. to Boston for three years and then Denver for three years and then France as of March 2022. That is an impressive list. I do want to double back. I have like a couple of random questions about places you've lived. First off, Scranton. Scranton is world famous now because of The Office. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm curious, while you were there, was there any esteem or any office stuff? <laughs> the college students loved it. I think the rest of the town, there was no capitalism, capitalism associated with it, no tourist economy associated. Like Everyone knew it, but no one cared. I mean, Scranton's not a town that like makes fanfare, I guess, of things. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's really like working class slash disinterested in that Hollywood nonsense. Okay, so that was my random Scranton question. Okay, and then you were in Moldova and then Paris, right? Oh, and then I was wondering with the Rome bit, like which three months were you supposed to be there? February, March, and April. The way a lot of UN consultancies work is there are three-month contracts that just keep getting rolled over. Like the first time I got my contract extension, I remember going out because I bought like the little olive oil and the little of everything. <laughs> and so I finally went out. I think I got, then I got to like a six month extension. So I went out. I was like, oh, I can get like regular size laundry detergent and regular size olive oil <laughs> and regular size life. That's really funny. Okay. And then which um, time of the year were you in Copenhagen? Yeah. So again, I was really, really lucky there. I moved there the following May, May through November. And at that point, the kind of work contract I was on, I got there in the first week knew it was like a dead project with nothing to do. And so I kind of lived through the summer, which Copenhagen in the summer is just festivals and beach time. And it's, it's stunning. It's so much fun. And then as soon as September rolls around, everyone knows about seasonal affective disorder. Everyone starts taking fish oil and different supplements to <laughs> compensate for the lack of sun. You go to work in the dark, you leave in the dark. October, November, I was like, I'm not doing winter here for this job in this, you know, this context. So I was like, I'm just yeah. going to head out before Christmas and, and be off here. Okay, I did this now. Now I'm getting mixed up chronologically, but I did want to circle back to Moldova. I I think the last two years in a row, I, I have spent 50 cents or 80 cents, whatever it is, to vote for Moldova in Eurovision Song Contest because they are out here doing some weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, do you follow Eurovision at all? <laughs> oh, I, I used to when I lived in Moldova. I mean, they have, it is like more important than any country considers a World Cup. <laughs> and they are hardcore serious about it. And you can see why, because they're amazing. It is a country of like singers and actors and acrobats. And, like their creative side, every little kid is just really talented at the arts, it seems like. It's cool to hear that they they are so creative because sometimes you watch these these clips or these songs and like 
Those were like these really ridiculous, like campy, super performative songs, which I think is amazing and so much fun. But it's it's also just so bizarre. And then some other countries come in like ahem, France, and they're like always just singing ballads and taking everything very like seriously and dramatically. And I just I don't know. It always is interesting to me. Like I'm like, does Moldova or any like there's a couple countries that are pretty consistently like funky in their choices. And I'm always yeah, I wasn't ever sure if they like think it's really serious art or if you know what I mean (laughs) I don't think they're being like ironic or anything I think also just love the 80s like every (laughs) bus you get on guaranteed you're gonna hear music from 81 to 87 and you're gonna see that in the style the hairstyle the clothing style the dance style I think they just picked a decade and we're like we're gonna stay with this and I haven't asked about France yet mostly just because I've just drawn an assumption that you had a very positive experience and you loved it. But let me not assume. Let me ask. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was living in Moldova, the Peace Corps, they do let you take a a fair amount of vacation and travel. So I did a lot of regional travel, you know, like Budapest, Vienna, Bucharest. And then I did a, a little bit of Western Europe travel, too. And after about eight months in Moldova, I remember I took like a night bus to a night train to a plane from Romania over to Paris. So I left my tiny little village at like 5 p.m. and I arrived in Paris the next morning at 5 a.m. And as, I mean, going from a tiny village to Paris, like it was just my, I was so overstimulated by everything I was seeing. It was just, uh, just overload for me. And I just kind of instantly fell in love with it. I think probably like a lot of people do when they visit Paris for the first time. So I spent a week there and my mom met me there. So we just toured Paris for the week. I visited other places in the year after that, but my mind just kind of kept going back to it. And when I was thinking next steps in life, I knew I wanted to get my master's degree in in public health to work in, in global development. And I started looking at the U.S., started looking at the price tag of master's degrees in the U.S. and quickly just like, nope, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot incur that debt. Nope. And so I started then looking at European master's programs and I just kept coming back to France and trying to figure out how to make it work. Uh, so I chose a master's degree in Paris in English. And yeah, I would definitely say the best chapter of my life was Paris from 23, 27. I kind of felt culturally like I just kind of found my people. Like there's a a general sense of like calm and introversion, appreciation of of literature and art and silent Sunday mornings that are meant for just taking a long walk that I just really was like, oh, this is exactly what I would have created as a culture if I could just create a culture in a way. I think those those years are really that's kind of where we establish like who we are as adults and and what direction we want our life to be going in and, and how we want to handle you know, really owning our time in a way that you don't and if you're in college and, and things like that. So yeah, I can, I can imagine that also makes a huge impact. It's like that's kind of when you got your feet under you and you did that in that place and you learned how to get your feet under you from that culture and, and that lifestyle. Yeah, when I think about like all my formative adult experiences, like the experiences I was choosing, like my first adult love, my first adult job, my first adult group of friends that I sought out and chose my first set of hobbies I created for myself rather than my parents picking a hobby, you know, 
all of that happened in France. So I really kind of do feel like I kind of discovered who I was throughout those years. Um, And definitely in that context, they they were all kind of intertwined. When you were sort of the end of your your 20s and you're living in Copenhagen and being like, I cannot stay here for the winter, goodbye. (laughs) Was there any part of you that was like trying to go back to France then? Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, I I knew (laughs) I was going to leave Copenhagen. I knew the UN system was something I wanted to, I didn't want to continue it. And in general, international development is a career where you move around a lot and you're kind of beholden to whatever government contract you're on. And I just thought long-term that lifestyle wasn't going to work for me. And so I was kind of in this crisis moment of like, I don't want to be in this city. I don't want to be in this career. Oh my God, what in the world am I doing? And so I like sought refuge in Paris um, even in Rome and Copenhagen, I went back to Paris at least once a month because that was where my my hub was of friends and just where I felt most at home walking the streets. And so I actually had a friend whose family had an apartment in Paris that was vacant for part of the year. And I just took like a complete break from December through February, living in that apartment through Christmas, through New Year's, and just like writing and walking and doing yoga and just thinking like, what am I doing with myself and my career? Feverishly applying to every job I saw in France, (laughs) uh, meeting up with old colleagues to network with them. And I talked actually to my old boss, who was like a life mentor and a professional mentor to me. She was a French woman who had lived abroad and moved back to France in like her 50s. And she said, you know, look, uh, we can find some job for you any old job and it'll do. But she was like, honestly, Kieran, like, why don't you go back to the US for a few years, figure out whatever your new career is, build your resume, save your money and come back here and spend it. And, (laughs) you know, she was like, I can get you a job, but like, you're not, you're not going to be satisfied in the long term with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You need something that'll kind of stimulate you. And, you know, you just need to kind of take control of your life. And so those words kind of ring in my head. I did move back to the U.S. with the really clear stated intention of I'm going to be here for three years to get a certain professional certification, and then I'm heading back to France. Three years just turned into five due to to life. (laughs) And so by the time I finally decided to move back, it was, yeah, it almost like it felt like a delayed decision that had kind of been burrowing inside of me for a while. And then why... Boston? I don't know. If I hear you say, go to the US, figure it out and save your money and then come back. I'm like, save your money in Boston (laughs) with those rent prices? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What was Uh, that? And Boston. Oh, and Denver. Sorry, you said Denver too. And that's also a really expensive place. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So at that point, I kind of settled on career change away from the UN. Um, I'd gotten really interested in like personal finance for my own sake. And then just the whole concept of retirement planning and life planning and financial goals and all of that. And so I'd started already studying to get my tax designation and then to get a financial planning certification that you have to have three years of experience in the US to to fulfill. I was looking at firms in the Northeast of America, which I know is also just generally very expensive, but I felt like if I'm going to move back to the US, I might as well be close to family. So I was looking in actually Philly, DC yeah. area, and Boston. I, I'd interviewed with firms, I think, in all three, and I 
kind of wanted Boston because it's the most European city um, in terms of the architecture and the walkability and some of the mentality and the international feel that when I got the job in Boston, the job felt right. But I'm coming back now to this thought from way earlier, which is like you were around 30 when you were living there. And like, I don't know, especially in U.S. culture, I feel like a lot of people take the 30 thing very seriously (laughs) and lots of people either get married or have a kid or buy a house at or around 30 and like people are like really like okay we are entering the more serious phase of adulthood and then you're coming back from this like completely different life experience and like totally different background and goals for yourself so like what was it like resettling in the U.S. but for the first time as an adult in that phase? It's funny I was not at all in that phase. And I was oblivious that everyone else was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That when I moved to Boston, I just probably intentionally made friends with people. Most people were coupled up, but no one had kids yet. And most people were renting apartments, living in the city, sharing, sharing housing with two to three other people that they they like mentally were nowhere near being able to afford a Boston house. Right. Um, so that was, I guess, a little bit to my benefit that I just happened to be in the same scenario as a lot of people. I worked in a wealth management firm where all of my client, a lot of my clients were pre-retiree or retiree age. And a lot of them had really kind of standard, like traditional career paths. They were academics, lawyers, ha- had one career for 30 years, grew up in Massachusetts, we're going to live there forever. And I was meeting them at a point in their life where they were also looking back and also looking forward to their retirement and wrestling with their own chapters in life. And for me, I learned a lot from working primarily with people who are 60 years old because all of them looked at me in my life and they were like, oh, go take more risks, go have more experiences. Don't be in a rush to settle down, you know. When I hear personal finance, I just think of like the panic that I feel when I think about figuring that out for myself. And but actually, yeah, if you think about it, like the experience of working, especially as a personal financial planner, is just kind of sociological in a way. Like you're just talking to people about their life and either how they plan it to go or how they how they how it went <laughs> and what they want out of this next phase. And I didn't I guess I hadn't really like sat in that aspect of it but that's got to be kind of cool especially as as you say someone younger like making decisions for themselves like you get all of that input and uh sort of data in terms of mm-hmm. okay like this is how it went for them like how do I want it to do for me yeah exactly I, I had 80 clients and that was like 80 different stories that I got to sit in on and so sometimes it meant talking to spouses who had different concepts of money or different relationships to their children, if they want to fund their college or not, or whatever. It gave me like a lot of really practical inputs into my own decision making. And in some ways, I think really reinforced my own worldview in a lot of ways. You mentioned that like the three years turned into five. I mean, that also fits in a way years three, four, and five. It sounds like that was 2020, 2021, 2022, where as established time was just a question mark, like who knows what was going on (laughs) during that era. So I'm curious, like, what about those last couple of years um, and, like, that time we all had to reflect, like, COVID was such a bizarre experience in terms of just, like, really sitting back and being like, what the heck am I doing <laughs> and what do I want to be doing? And that landed you back in France. So I'd love to mm-hmm. hear what was 
your experience and in what your conversations you were having with yourself or maybe with people in your life about like, okay, is, is now the time? Yeah. So pretty much right when I moved to Boston, I met a guy uh, <laughs> and, and neither of us, we, we both said we're not going to be in Boston long-term. I'd been there for three years that I needed to be there for the certification. And so I was kind of looking ahead to the next chapter anyway. And I was looking at jobs. So I remember applying and interviewing to a job in like London, another in Amsterdam, another. Yeah, they're pretty much all European. Um, and then this job in Denver contacted me and it was a huge pay raise, a great experience to have like on my resume and at the same time my partner then had always wanted to move back to the midwest where he's from to be closer to his his parents who were aging and so i kind of thought well this meets both goals i get to take a job that's really good for my profession and it was a global job with a lot of travel but based in denver colorado and I, I kind of knew at the time that the, the job was going to be really intense and really demanding. And again, I was just like, oh, let me frankly, like earn a lot of money, save a lot of money. This goes back to my goal of moving back to France. And I, we said really deliberately, like, this is a two to three year move. So we moved to Colorado, started traveling a lot with this job, which I loved. Then seven months into the job, I the month before kind of COVID shut down America. I did a, a trip to like India, Mexico, DC, all in the month right before COVID. Wow. And then the world shut down. And obviously I then lived in this apartment for the next couple of years. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> and in hindsight, <laughs> like, oh, there's no better place to have experienced COVID than Colorado. Every week we went on a long hike out in the countryside uh, around the mountains we got a dog that was just like to have all that time at home with her and helping her settle in, in as a rescue dog was great. Um, in Colorado, the air is dry and there's a lot of sunshine. So I think that also just helped me a lot. I, I was so thankful not to be in Boston or Copenhagen for that period. Colorado really gave me a lot more appreciation for both weather and nature. But during that time, you know, We'd already said it's going to be a two, three year move. And I, you know, about a year into COVID was like, okay, like I felt a little bit like I went onto autopilot in the US. I wasn't being challenged or stimulated. I didn't feel like I was growing. I just felt really stagnant. Uh, and I also just felt really out of place. I just felt like the sense of priorities and values were different. The emphasis on work life balance was different. Um, at that point, I was also 35, 36. And at that point, all my friends started having kids, moving to the suburbs. And, you know, all of our friendships were changing. I kind of just thought, okay, I've been saying for five years now I'm going to get back to France. Why haven't I done this yet? Well, so during that time, I also transitioned to being freelance and also working fully remote. And the rest of society started going fully remote, even after COVID that I just started to think about, oh, wait a minute, five years ago, I left France because it didn't feel like there were enough opportunities for me to stay. And now I put myself into a position where 
I was doing stimulating work. I had clients. I was working remotely and I could do that from France just as easily as Denver. All of a sudden, what wasn't a possibility in my brain five years ago felt like a possibility now. Again, with personal finance, I felt like, oh, wait, Karen, like, you know, the statistics on, you know, people your age, you know, the cost of living, like you have worked hard, you have built up your professional experience and your savings that this doesn't feel as earth shattering of a risk as it was five years ago. Yeah. I just thought like, well, like you don't want to do another two year move. You don't want to settle down in Colorado. I, I want to be back in France. And I mean, one thing that unfortunately we're just not going to have time to talk about is you did get um, Irish citizenship back when you were in your 20s in mm, Europe. So yes. I'm guessing that made it a lot easier. Like you didn't have to figure out a visa to get to France. You could just be an EU citizen. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on that, my grandparents were Irish. And so through them, I was able to submit the paperwork back when I was 21 and become Irish myself. So I'm a dual national uh, passport holder. For Americans who, who need the visa process, I have no idea how that happens. For me, I just show up in a country in Europe and say I'm here and it all is kind of easy. It just so, works out. Yeah. Just to, to wrap things up, now now you are back in France. You did make this move. And I mean, it's it's just a completely different I mean, phase of life for you and then also just kind of a different world in a way. Like everyone experienced COVID in some way and <laughs> we're all coming out of it, I suppose. Yeah, with all of those factors and more, um, what's the last year been like? I thought of that a lot with the move back to France. You know, Paris was almost like a dream, but it was a dream for a 25-year-old. And now my my internal pace of life has changed and my priorities and my values and my hobbies have changed, but I wanted a place that matched that. And so it's been... Honestly, really, like administratively, it's been very easy to settle back into France. I haven't had a lot of roadblocks, which has been great. From like the day to day, it's also been really comforting. Like I'm getting all sorts of random medical care taken care of that I just put off in the US for various reasons. And so I felt very taken care of by society. Yeah, it's been a nice settling in process. I don't have, I guess maybe because of COVID, we all got so comfortable being alone. Uh, maybe unhealthily so. That <laughs> I've the introvert in me has really been fed and nourished. I I don't have as strong a need. I think it's also just being 30, 37 as opposed to twenty five. I don't have a strong need for continuous contact with with friends or colleagues, but I have more meaningful connections. And I find people at this age, you know, kind of know themselves. They know what they gravitate towards. And it's been an easier filtering process to make friends. You kind of know immediately, like if you click or, you know, if if it's just kind of like a nice conversation you have. I realize I don't need a thousand friends. I need like five really good people in my life. I, my emphasis this last year has been building community. And I kind of know the groups that I can go to and the tools that I can use that has made that easier. So joining yoga groups and women's support groups and things like that has been great. You mentioned the move to Colorado was with your partner, also to friends with your partner, or no? We it was a, a strong five year relationship, and a we were never you know hostile or, or negative or anything. And again, I'm really grateful that I had a companion during COVID. I think it would have been so much harder if I were by myself fully for that time. Um, we got along well. It just 
at some point we stopped really helping each other grow and we both knew that our long-term goals and values were different. You know, it was a good five-year run, but it wasn't going to be a 40-year run together. (laughs) That's a good way of Um, putting it. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of transitioned and we're, you know, good terms and everything, but I think we're both happier with the chapters we're now. So we, we broke up. I sent an email actually to my parents who were on vacation and the the title was, uh, he and I broke up. (laughs) And then I, I sent just a couple of lines and I said, everything's fine. We're amicable. This is the best thing for both of us. You know, I just want to let you know, since you're on vacation, let's talk when you get back. And then I, I said, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to stay in Colorado, but I don't know what I'm going to do necessarily. I didn't want to make so many big decisions at once. Yeah. Like, Let me make the relationship decision, sit with myself and then make a geography decision. And so I emailed my parents and was like, we broke up. I'm going to get an Airbnb and just like hang out for a couple months in Denver while I make a decision. And my mom immediately turned to my dad and was like, oh, she's going to move back to France. Why is she even <laughs> taking the time to think about this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so obvious, Kieran. What, are you, what is the question here? So then a, a month or so later, I was like, I'm going to book a trip to France and uh, just check it out again. So I, I went back to France and uh, stayed in Toulouse for a few weeks just to kind of validate the decision. I'd been here before seven years ago. So I wanted to come back and really get a sense for South of France and make sure it felt right to me. Uh, and so then during that trip, I was like, yep, yeah, definitely. This feels right. I'm going to move here. Man, I like how much you've like really honed your intuition. I feel like, I don't know, for me, for some reason, I keep coming back in my mind to that moment with your mentor in Paris back in your late 20s, who was like, yeah, just kind of proposed this exact life plan to you. And <laughs> I don't know, it just sounds to me like hearing you tell your story, it feels like you didn't end up doing that because it's what you told you to, but rather it was really good advice. And then from that point, you just were like honing in that skill of like learning what works and doesn't work for you. And, and it's just really cool to hear how that led you to this specific iteration of life now with your dog and Toulouse and your job all set up and and figuring out this new phase of life. I kept in touch with her and I actually, when I was moving back, I sent her an email and we had a call and caught up and I said, do you remember saying that to me five years ago? And she has no recollection at all (laughs) of this. And I said, but we were in this restaurant. I, you know, I could remember what I ate that day for lunch. And she was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And she was like, I mean, I'm glad I gave good advice, but I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I was like, okay. Well, it's very meaningful to me. So thank you for You're that. Like, but, well, it did change my life, but cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think in hindsight, she's right. I think if I'd stayed in Paris and just kind of gotten any old job, it would have been, I don't know if I would have resented the city itself or if I would have just felt like a lack of growth over time. But I, I do think, you know, each each chapter was kind of meant to be the way that it was. And even to lose if I'm here today or tomorrow or not. Yeah, I, I just still think it's about pay attention to the way I feel somewhere. But I'm also kind of a pragmatist and making sure the rest of my life works out too. that, you know, just kind of seeing things as a way to grow is always been the right perspective for me. Yeah. And another thing I really like about like the whole structure of your experience so far is that you, you soaked up a lot of experience and information and learned a lot about what life could look like. And then you really took some time to like, 
reflect on everything and figure it out. I, hearing your story, it, it almost, and, and exactly that moment, that, that point in time where you decided to kind of heed her advice and, and take this step back or to the side to reevaluate just sounds like a brilliant idea. I'm like a planner by nature, which you would never guess looking back at my resume, <laughs> but I am definitely a more structured kind of organized individual. And I think at one point I just started, instead of kind of telling you what my 20 year plan was, I started just trying to think more about all the different scenarios that life can turn out to be. And whether that meant like, you know, like I would just sit down and kind of envision okay, what is a life with kids? What's a life with 15 dogs? What's a life <laughs> living in London? What, you know, whatever it is, what's life in a hundred different careers, all of which I want to do. And just kind of then trying to reframe everything to just say like, when I think about any scenario of life, or I look at anyone else's life, I think like, oh, I won't be surprised if in 10 years I'm writing a book, in 10 years I'm a yoga teacher, in 10 years I'm an accountant, whatever, you know, and and just kind of see how that feels to say out loud. And that kind of feedback to myself helps. But yeah, I like to think, especially with like jobs, careers, locations, like really breaking down, like what is it that I actually enjoy inside of this or, or where's like the friction there? Um, I mean, personal finance, I'm actually not known for being good at math at all. That was actually <laughs> my worst subject in school. I was like an English person more so. I was like a counseling undergrad too. So the idea of going to finance like is a complete joke to everyone I know. Uh, <laughs> but it was that idea of like counseling turned into financial counseling. Yeah. That is what I really like about it and learning about people's stories. I was also like a journalism, you know, on the journalism club that was like getting to know other people's lives and like that intimate level that for me was really like, huh, you would never, ever think that Kieran cares about the stock market or finance in any way. But I like learning about people's inner stories and decisions they have to make and helping them through that. My version of personal finance is probably a little different from a lot of people on Wall Street. <laughs> so we are going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It is a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Yes. What is your go-to de-stressing activity? I am asking not for a friend, but for myself. <laughs> oh, I have been a lifelong, long walker. Ooh. Go for a walk, preferably in nature, maybe with a podcast, 100% with a dog. Who is your favorite character from The Office? Ooh, Dwight. <laughs> I'm super that that one really came out of my gut. I didn't know I was gonna say him, but yeah, Dwight. <laughs> and finally, you you've traveled to a lot of places, you've gotten to see a lot of things. Where's one place that people might not think to visit that you think people should consider visiting? Oh, I, so one, I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna say one, Istanbul. The second one I would say is in Mexico. It's a mid-sized city called Carretero. And it's just like beautiful, it's colorful alleys, gorgeous architecture, amazing people, amazing food. And it really gives you a sense of Mexico. Karen, thank you so very much for coming on the show. It um, it was a long time coming. We were emailing for, I feel like, months or well, like <laughs> sometimes not replying for months if you're me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we got here and I'm so, so, so glad. It was really nice to talk to you and um, congrats on 
almost a year in France and I'm excited for you. It sounds like only good things are to come. Yeah, I can't hear, wait to hear about your next chapter. I want to hear yeah, how everything's going and how you're processing it real in the moment, hopefully. And yeah, let's keep in touch. Thank you again to Kieran for coming onto the show. Make sure you're subscribed to The Expatcast on your podcast app of choice. You can visit me online at theexpatcast.com and you can follow me on Instagram at theexpatcast. Just this week it was my cat's fake birthday and it made my very first reel. It is semi-intentionally horrible, semi-unintentionally horrible, but hopefully goofy and fun and makes you smile. So for such amazing content, am I, am I selling it? I think I am, right? For all of that great content and more, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> As always, I want to thank Amy Lungi Art for the logo and side hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with an episode where we debate, would you rather have really great avocado on mediocre toast or really mediocre avocado on really good toast? Figure out what the heck I mean and more in your feeds in a week. This done. Cheers.